Oh, improve it, peeps. I have a show for you. The one, the only, Tayo Roxon is here. And here is how Tayo is improving it. First and foremost, Tayo is a writer, speaker, consultant, podcaster, professor, co-founder, and brand strategist at UID Management, which is a strategic consulting firm that empowers organizations to incorporate sustainable diversity and inclusion practices. Now, as the son of a diplomat, Tayo grew up understanding the nuances of multicultural diversity while living on four continents. You're going to hear the word nuance, and you're going to hear about him living on four continents today. He leveraged these experiences to establish himself as an authority in communicating effectively across cultures and personal branding. He graced various stages to share his knowledge, including TEDx, which is awesome, the prestigious Chautauqua Institution and the United Nations. Now, Tayo is the host of a podcast called As Told by Nomads, which I was lucky enough to be a guest on. And that podcast is ranked in the top five tier of the top 25 business podcasts for entrepreneurs on entrepreneur.com. He's the author of the book, Use Your Difference to Make a Difference, and a professor at the prestigious Imperial College Business School, as well as Felician University. Now, in 2020, he launched the national anti-racism campaign called Hashtag Less Talk Bias. In 2021, Tayo was named in Remote Weekly's list of the 100 most influential remote experts and starred in the award-winning movie Impact, which is about three people who embark on a personal journey to transform the way they communicate on their quest to impact the world. Tayo is one, I always love our guests, but I was a guest on his show and I just walked away feeling so energized and I feel the same way today. He is a light. He is a joy. He is really using his difference to make a difference. And if you are a leader who leads a cross-cultural team, then stay tuned because we are going to talk about so many things. He first and foremost really gives us some really strong uh, acronyms and best practices on how you can better communicate cross-cultural culturally, that's a tongue twister, in your organization. Talk about some of the challenges we see in the workplace when it comes to communicating cross-culturally with invisible disabilities. And then we talk about some of the things that you can stop and start doing as a leader to help connect and communicate in a cross-cultural world. Let's just dive right in. Here's the one, the only, Tayo Roxon. Are you a leader or change maker inside of your business, organization, or corporation? Are you looking for new, innovative ways to drive morale through the roof? Are you looking for fun and exciting icebreakers, team building exercises, and activities that will foster team growth, friendships, loyalty, and completely transform your organization from the inside out? Have you been searching for a fun and unique way to create change instead of the same old dry, boring leadership books and icebreakers that aren't actually working? Hi, I'm Erin Deal, business improv edutainer, fail fluencer, and professional Zoom who is ready to help you improve it. My mission in life is to help you develop teams and leaders through play, improv, and experiential learning. In this podcast, we will deep dive into professional development, team building, effective communication, networking, presentation skills, leadership training, how to think more quickly on your feet, and everything in between. 
We have helped everyone from Fortune 500 companies to small mom and pop shops transform their business, their leadership, and their people through play. So grab your chicken hat. We are about to have some fun. Welcome to Improve It, the podcast. Hiya, welcome to the Improve It Podcast. I'm going to keep my day job. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's my pleasure. It's okay. Singing is a great way to, to start anything. Oh, yeah. and I love, you know what? You have, su- like, I'm, I'm seeing you on camera. We've talked on your show, but you have such an awesome voice. Like, if I'm, if I'm a listener right now, I'm just closing my eyes. I'm like, wow just love your voice you have like a fun energy for the podcasting webs so you've got it better than this this nasal twang thing i've got going on so what are you talking about everybody everybody's got an accent everybody's got an accent no yours yours is better improve it peeps you're welcome you're welcome from his voice today because you're getting a reprieve You're getting a reprieve from this. So, all right. I want to start off because I, I we met as I was a guest on your show, as told by yes. Nomads, which is a fantastic show. We're going to link to that in the show notes for our audience, too. Okay. I want to play a fun little game just so our audience can get to know you a little bit. Let's do it. All right. And it's called Five Facts. So it's got a little ditty because, you know, I like to sing. And I'm just going to do it. And then I want you to give us five facts about you that we couldn't find on the interwebs. We couldn't find on your bio, your LinkedIn profile, all the things. So I'll do that little ditty. It goes like this. Five facts, five facts, five facts, five facts, five facts. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. What's number one? So I'm a hot sauce aficionado. One of my actual dreams. Yes. One of my dreams is to be on the show Hot Ones. I don't know if anyone has ever watched that show. It's a, it's a show on YouTube. They They basically bring on all these celebrities to answer questions and as each question gets answered, the, the sauce gets hotter. And so oh. I, yeah, I love doing that. And, and I do this thing in myself where, you know, they sell the hot sauces at the end of the show. And so one of them is the extra, extra mean green pucker butt. Pucker butt. Pucker butt. Pucker butt. <laughs> and just so you yeah. know, he's lifting it up and on camera right now. If you're listening, you yeah. can't see it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the, the sauce called the bomb, which <gasps> sounds just as hot as it is. And, you know, I'm one of those people. I, I'm not, I know some people like taste, but the hotter, the better. I like that, that torturous feeling because I know I'm going to conquer something. So yeah. that's one fact. Okay. <laughs> second, second fact, I, I wanted to be a basketball player growing up. Uh, uh, that was the third one. I, gr- I mean, I think everybody knows this, but I grew up on five countries, four continents. Uh, I'm fourth. I'm a, I'm an art, I'm an art collector. And then, uh, fifth, I am part of Big Brother Big Sisters. I've been I've been a, a mentor since 2017. Yeah. Wow. I love that organization. Okay. Well, you nailed yeah. that. You nailed that. Yeah. And I love that fact yeah. that I just found out about you. Also, I knew that you love basketball because when I was on your show, and I'm just going to tell the, imp- we call our audience the Improve It Peeps. When I was on your show, I was eyeballing that teal shoe sneaker behind you, which is underneath your Lakers jersey, which is, again, you can't see this if you're just listening to the show, but I really want your teal sneakers. So we're going to, we're going to, I told you one day I'm coming to New York. We're going to 
that's it's gonna happen. Or, um, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be mine. It's gonna be mine. It's gonna be yours. And for those who are not uh, watching on YouTube, this is the she's referring to the LeBron Eight South Beach edition. All right, yes. so that, that that is what we're talking about. It's it's supposed to mimic the South Beach colorways for the sneakerheads over there. So oh, there, so beautiful. It's like a it's like a trophy. <laughs> Put that, put the, keep that in your Zoom profile, okay? So, <laughs> all right, well, let's do this. I like to start each show, too, by setting an intention. So what is one intention, a one-word intention that you want to give to our audience today? What's one intention, one word? Nuance. Ooh! Yeah, yeah. I'm, my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. It's the title of my book. It's my mission statement, but I, I feel like, we live in a binary world. Um, actually, so we live in a nuanced world governed by binary systems. Uh, and, and so I think the more we appreciate that we have multiple aspects and layers to ourselves, the better we'll be able to be to ourselves and to each other. I love that. And I know people say this and it makes me want to throw up in my mouth every time. But I just got chills because I really did. That was special. That and you gotta and, turn the heater on. I don't know why got, you keep doing this yourself. I'm cold. Is that I'm all this chills? Yeah. Like what we do? <laughs> I know, right? Everybody's like, I just cried. I just got no. But literally, nuance is a perfect word for you. I feel like that is when I was researching you, which is fun because I've been on your show and I, I now you feel like I kind of know you a little bit. I was like, ah, oh, what a good guy. And you really, oh, oh my God. yeah, so like, much pressure. So much pressure. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna be awful. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, this is you are just so special, and how you have used some of the differences that you've had to experience in your life to make positive change in the world around you. And I want to say thanks because that's the kind of world I want to live in. And also, I got a three year old almost, and that's the kind of world I want him to live in. And I'm, and so we're just setting it up, you know, you're setting, up. setting it up. So let's go back to one of your fun, your fun five facts. So you said, um, and this is something that we did know, but I will give that one to you. Okay. Uh, you, I know. I got to find one more. Oh, my yes. favorite book is The Alchemist. My favorite book is The Alchemist. Okay. There we go. We replaced that. There it is. Bam. There we Woof. go. There we go. Boom. Boom. Woof. Okay. So <laughs> you did grow up, though, in five countries, four continents, and yeah. you used the fuel by, behind what you called your identity crisis, like you said, to help your difference, to make a difference. So. Yeah. You also said you're a third culture kid, which is someone who spent the formative part of their childhood years outside of their parents' culture. Mm-hmm. I, so th- that's a lot of places to live, right? Were yes. there any places that you lived that were were just really transformational for you? That really, because I, I definitely know, you know, this is like you said, you're a third cul- third culture kid. But is yeah. there a space or a special time that really transformed your thinking and really allowed you to think the way that you do now? You know, I've thought about this a lot because yeah, I always get different variations. You know, sometimes I say, oh, where's your favorite place? What changed your life the most? And the way I broke it down is uh, Nigeria always has my heart, right? It's a huge part of my identity, the name, you know, how I look, wh- where I'm from, a lot of what I identify with in terms of, of traditions and, and, and culture. Uh I felt like um, Burkina Faso, which is a French-speaking country, West Africa, was where I started to get a sense of who I wanted to be. You know, I, I really started studying, you know, a lot of the leaders I admire, you know, Nelson Mandela, the late Nelson Mandela, Oprah Winfrey. And, and you know, yeah, I really got into basketball. And that was when I was like, I'm going to do this. And then, uh, you know, in, in high school, 
when I came back to Nigeria, it was a, it was a real test of what I I decided that I was going to be. Because when I came back, it was more like, Are "You sure that you can do this? This is not what we normally accept." Um, and then when I when I went to the United States when I was seventeen, it, it that was probably the most transformative because I I could get to take everything I learned, and I signed a contract for myself. I basically said, "I got to stop trying to fit into multiple." you know, identities here. I just got to accept that I'm all of my experiences, my lived experiences. And it's okay if other people don't understand, but it's more important for me to accept who I am and be be okay with that. And so maybe that 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 decision at 17 was the most important, but it really was a combination of all those things. Cause I, you know, I, I was swinging on one pendulum to go here to fit in and coming out here where I really couldn't even try to fit in even if I tried but then yeah. I had to feel the pushback and then I was like oh stop it Tyo it's okay <laughs> that is okay wait so 17 were you a junior in high school senior what year was that so I you know in, in Nigeria a lot of students graduate early compared to the United States yeah. so I, I was 17 I just graduated um, uh, and then um, it was a month away from a month or two away from being 18, but I, I, I landed in Virginia for my college. And so, yeah. That is crazy. And how awesome at such a young age that you were able to put that that contract with yourself into place. I love that. And maybe you didn't say that then, and now you say that was the contract, but you signed a deal. I mean, that is that is awesome. Yeah, I did. I, you know, so, Aaron, I, I think a lot of people listening to this who have had to grow up quickly. I grew up under, initially, dictatorships before we move, we transition to civilian rule. And so you, you, you learn like the rules quickly and I'm the oldest. So your, your family, your parents would tell you, you got to do this in case I'm not here. Blah, 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 blah. And then, so <laughs> I, I didn't really know any other way. <laughs> if yes. I'm being honest. I was always one of those people that was, I was thinking about the future as well as the present and how I wanted to show up in that because I knew people were watching me in my family and outside of that. So, um, yeah, I, I grew up quickly. I believe it. It's probably why I'm very childlike now. You know, I, I feel like I have a lot of that childlike energy. <laughs> Which is without good. Being childish. <laughs> it keeps you young. Yeah. It keeps you young. Wait, okay. Yeah. So I have two thoughts about what you just said too. So also you said some of your heroes earlier on, you said were, were Oprah Winfrey. That's why I know we're like kindred spirits because that's my, I mean, I have her sitting on a sandwich. I have this picture of her. It's called Celebs on Sandwiches. And she's sitting at my office. She's on a Caprese sandwich. And I look at her every day because I'm like, oh my God, I love you. Love you. Love you. And um, I also think too, how many how many siblings did you have being the oldest? I have two younger brothers. Two younger brothers. Yeah, okay. So yeah. you were like in charge. That's a lot. And I, I think being the oldest, I'm also the oldest and I just have a younger brother, but it's so interesting. Birth order plays such a role in not only you had so many experiences that I had never had, but you also were the oldest. So you felt really responsible probably for your siblings, for yourself. And I think it's okay to bring that childlike energy now. I think that's oh totally my gosh. okay. It, you know, it's so funny. I've always been this hyper kid, this guy who always did this, but yeah. there were moments when I was having the identity crisis where it was used against me, right? You yeah. know, like this, you know, like who, what, you know, why are you always so energetic? And I wasn't a bad student. I was a good student. So it was always that complexity. I was a good student. I played sports, but I was basically, I could be a class clown if I, you know, if, if I wanted to be and people would be like, ah, sit down. Yes. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so it's, it's, it's so fascinating now with the career I have and doing the multiple things I do 
because I was told so many times that that was not, if I kept doing this, I wouldn't be successful. And then here you find out different ways to express your energy. And so I think that's why one of the, it's one of the reasons I really don't like the idea of limited, you know, I really fight against oppression and, and suppression because I felt suppressed and oppressed multiple times. Yeah. And then you're changing constantly your environment with your energy. So I can imagine that's like, who am I in this new space? I, but you have found a wonderful way to channel who you are, which I think is so fantastic. He's, you'll hear in the bio, you've heard it in the bio. So successful. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you. Can I say the flip side of that? Because in improv, we have a saying that if you fail, there are no mistakes. They're only gifts. If you can see over here, I got this fail. Yeah. You know, sign behind me in my little podcast closet. Um, and it really just means that when you have a setback, you don't look, it doesn't on stage. If you say something wrong in a scene or if like you make a mistake and you're, you know, your scene partner notices, you don't discount it. You bring it into the scene. You make it a part of the scene. And that's sort of metaphorical for life, I think, is really something sets you back. Something makes you have to stop in your tracks and not move forward. Instead of being like, ah, oh, I'm stopping, I'm stopping. You bring it in, you make it a part of your life. And I know you've had some some setbacks, probably many along this journey. So what, what, <laughs> what is like one of the, um, if you could just pinpoint a moment, maybe yeah. in your career or just even before that, as you're going through all of these moves, what was, what's something that really stands out to you as a moment where you had a huge setback, but you learned and you brought it in, you made it a part of the scene of your life? What is something? I mean, so the first, I mean, I've had several, but I can think of one when I, I graduated from college. And I, I, to me, I did everything I was supposed to do. I, I graduated with honors, you know, two concentrations, a minor. And I, I was applying for jobs starting junior year. And between my junior year and senior year, I had over 85 plus job rejections before I stopped counting. And when you're not a citizen, you have to find a place to work for at least a year so they can sponsor you. I mean, you have to, you know, you have at least a year until you find someone that can sponsor you rather. And you know, I was just panicking just because I was like, I mean, I, it's not, it's not my bad grades, right? I mean, I have yeah. good grades. I, I did everything. I was the, the, the vice president of marketing this. I, I ran two nonprofits. I was in all the honor societies and it just kept, you know, you're too young. You're too green. We don't sponsor visas. You're not from the country. You're, I, I didn't realize you spoke English too well when I read your first name, <laughs> you know, any range of, of, of things. And I just kept thinking. I, I can't, you know, I, I don't know. And so I had to go and uh, I, I remember I had to convince my, my, someone I had interned with before. And I said, hey, look, is there any job <laughs> that we could do? This is when Twitter was just popping us. Like, you know, I have like a decent following on Twitter. I have a marketing degree as well. Maybe we could, you know, do this social media thing. And I had to convince him. And then he, he eventually allowed me to come on. And then, um, you know, I got signed on for more than 90% less than I thought I was going to make. And it was, and then they brought me on and then they switched my job to sales. So you're going to do sales. And I never done sales before. And that was just the first, the, the first rather failure that, that I had because it wasn't anything I even imagined my life to be, but it was a setup for what was to come a couple of years after, which was my car accident. Well, uh 
Tell us about that. Okay. Hello. Okay. Yeah, that is that's a cliffhanger. That's a cliffhanger. <laughs> and I want to press play. Press yeah. play. On so that. yeah, I'm gonna tell the audience a little secret. You you asked me one, and I was like, let me just say one that led up to another, and then I'll say it because yeah. I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to make it sound like I would be talking for ten minutes. So I was like, you know, let me just. Like, you know what? Yeah, I needed I needed to insert right there. This is podcasting. What tell us more? There's me. No, I can keep listening. I'm like enthralled right now. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. So in 2000 2012, we're about to be ten years from that. I was, uh, you know, I was about a, a year out of this job. I was I hated the job, but I was also in a place where I was like, don't complain. Why are you looking to give give tourists and route? You get to stay in the country. What are you talking about? Other people don't get as lucky. And then I just knew I could be doing more. And then I was driving at the time in my Burgundy Toyota Camry. And I got to this part where the road merges into the highway. I'm cruising down my lane. And all of a sudden, my car gets cut into half because, you know, this neighboring car lost control. And so I'm swerving out of the way so I don't get hit. I smash into the left guardrail. Boom. One car. Boom. Two cars. Boom. Right guardrail. Boom. Back to left guardrail. Boom. Hit it with such impact. The car is perpendicular to the bridge. I'm certain I'm, I'm about to, yeah, I'm like uh-huh. about to fall uh-huh. over. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm 22, I'm screeching, I'm thinking, this is my life. I thought I was like Nelson Mandela. I was going to like do all these things and I hadn't done anything else that I was going to do. And, you know, the cliche things, your life flashes, you're wondering, what have you done? I couldn't really say anything. And simultaneously, because everything has happened so quickly, I adrenaline is kicking in, I slammed the brakes i was kicking in i was just trying to kick out of the the door my, my car was totaled i somehow managed to escape and i was in the middle of the highway zoom, zoom, cars two other cars there and there was debris everywhere my car was totaled and um nothing happened to me <gasps> and i'm thinking wait what i'm looking at my total car i'm looking at the debris i'm looking at the other people and i'm looking at the, the guys the guy's car who had uh, uh caused the accident and I'm in so much shock and I'm looking at him and as my eyes, eyes come into focus, I recognize him. I'm like, we went to school. What were you doing? How dare you? And then, Wait, and then I called them. You went to school with him? Yeah, because we, it was, you know, in, in Virginia and it wasn't his fault or anything, but it, it was, I, but then I, I calmed down. He was so apologetic, but I always took that moment because I remember that idea of what would have happened at 22 if I just died and not done anything. Yeah. And for me, he gave me that courage, that bravery. My my name, Tayo, short for I can Tayo, which means uh, the brave one or, or a warrior has brought us joy. And I said, I have to live up to my name. And so I, I started plotting to quit my job. And so if you're not a citizen, you either have to get married, get another job and go back to school. And for me, I knew New York City was where I wanted to go. So I started applying. I started starting for the GMAT. I didn't do well in the GMAT because I didn't study the way. Awful because it was test. Like, Awful test. Yeah. Awful. awful test but i also didn't have enough time i just decided i was going to do it and so i just in somehow like a couple of months i said i'll read some books and do the gmat and <laughs> i didn't do the the time and then i got a low gmat score but i felt like i had high gpa and enough and so i conditionally got accepted so i, just, I all the schools i applied to rejected me fordham which i ended up going to conditionally accepted me and then they said, we're only going to conditionally accept you because of your low GMAT score. And you have to prove to us that you can do well in, in three, you know, business laws, statistics, you know, and, and, and you know, there was another course that I, I skips my mind now. And I, I just remember, you know what, I'm moving. I don't know. So I didn't know anyone. I just packed all my stuff and, and quit the job and moved to New York City, came down in visa status. 
I had a work visa and I came down to student visa status. And then, you know, it was there. And, and then, you know, the New York thing, you, you know, you, if you don't have any, you could be broke for so long, but then, you know, I was like, I'm going to figure it out. But there were several of those ones in New York. I ended up getting fired twice. Mm. <laughs> right. Not I ended up, I ended up being broke multiple times. Then I ended up having to go to the school to convince them to let me work for them to pay off my last semester because I wasn't sure I was going to graduate. And then I, when I started my podcast in school, they all said, what are you doing? You are studying for a communication degree and a marketing degree. You should probably go to recruiting trips. But I was just, you know, like, no, I, I want to do this podcast thing because I feel like it's a great launch. And then, and then they laughed at me and I, you know, and they were right. Right. You know, I, I, I remember trying to get gummies one time. My card got declined. I mean, several failures, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that's what happened. <laughs> but look at you now. Okay. This is, first of all, I can't believe that you were okay. There were some serious angels just like holding onto your car in that moment. That is insane. And also meant to be because you're supposed to be here where you are. And also, you know, Fordham, like whatever. I don't want to say what I want to say. I can't, <laughs> I, I, you know, look at them now. Okay. Look at them now. And that's, that is just such a good segue because now you're the CEO of UID Management, which is a consulting firm that focuses on helping companies create inclusive environments, diversify their pipeline, and expand globally into new markets. So you you got out of, you got, you said Fordham, and you started this show, your awesome show. That was a toot, that was a toot, improve it, peeps. I did it like my three-year-old there. I've never <laughs> done that on this show before. But it's, you know, you've started this company what led you to that? How did you, and you got through all these setbacks, but what led you to start this co this company? Well, yeah. So to be fair for them, they, they, they at least condition accepted me and I was able to graduate with them. Okay. We are uh, grateful. But yes. We are grateful. But you know what? Like, don't doubt him. You know what I mean? <laughs> don't, doubt don't, doubt doubt him. Him. <laughs> don't doubt it. Don't doubt it. But him. you know, it's so, it's, it's so interesting though, because it was my, after my first year, I, I'm an avid podcast listener. I've yeah. always been, I was early. I'm always like, you know, I was early to social media. I was early this. And so I started getting the idea in my head that I wanted to launch my own podcast. And it was right around the time I found that term that you mentioned earlier, the TCK, Third Culture Kids, because I was reading a BuzzFeed article that says 20-something signs you're a TCK. And it was really connecting to all my lived experiences. You think in multiple time zones, you're wondering where your parents are. You're like, someone's asking where you're from. You're like, what, what do you really want to know the answer? Yeah. <laughs> How much time do you have? And so I just thought, whoa, this word, Third Culture Kids, I feel like this is... Yeah, I can speak to this. And so I joined every Facebook group, TCK. I used hashtag TCK on Twitter. I joined every single one of these things. And then right around the time I was getting an idea to launch a podcast, I was thinking about what I could speak to. And I said, well, this is just something I have a lived experience on. So everyone I found on Twitter, I just reached out to them. I slid into their DMs and I said, hey, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. I want to talk about TCKs. I see your TCK. Would you be interested? And I got more i you know i went from 80 plus job rejections to 80 plus yes yeah no one ever talks about this this is all that and so i was doing that in between school all right you know and it was multiple time zones right i could talk to someone from you know uh you know uh, philippines one day someone in the west coast someone in the east coast and i just started to find my voice right you know it wasn't really i didn't know what it was gonna be i just i enjoyed doing it and then gradually people started to find it and and, and they was like oh this is really good this is really good and then there was one person from the um, World Bank who had heard an episode of mine or someone sent an episode and says, hey, 
I don't know if you've ever thought about speaking. And I was like, yeah, I have. <laughs> yeah. Right? But we, th- we think you could come down to D.C. If you could come uh yeah, I was in New York. So like, come down to DC uh, to speak to some kids who also grew up like you, some you know diplomat. And I was like, you know, I saw it for myself, but I didn't see it that soon. And then, yeah, we don't have any money or anything, but you know, if you could come back, it'd be good. And at the time, my parents were living in DC, so I thought, oh, cool, I could just crash with them. And so I did that, and I didn't really know what to pack, but I felt like I had to trust myself, and that was the beginning of me trusting myself. And so. I then started to see a speaking engagement path and then and then it was a long rocky road because it was hard to prove my experience like who was this kid was this guy but the episodes saying World Bank led me to leverage that into more opportunities later on so yeah that is awesome and then that's what that's essentially how you started UID management this is how you got into speaking this is how, how long have you had your podcast by the way I should know this but how long August 2014. So we're getting that's to That's a long time. time. Okay. First yeah. of all, that's like before that's, that's <laughs> adopt. You're an early adopter. You got like the first iPhone. Like you are, you are an adopter. Okay. That is, that's a long, that I started my business in 2014. That is, that's a long time. Well, so we started around, we started around the same time. I started the business then too. But yeah, it was 2014. I didn't know what I was doing, honestly. Oh, I just God. knew I loved it. Who who does? <laughs> I still I I never know. I just I told I told my team that one day. I'm like, we know we use improv here to teach people, and we also we're just making all of this up as we go. You know what I mean? So that's that's really it. And I love. Let me ask you this: What um? Because I, I liked when you said I wrote a contract to myself, which is so cool. I believe in that. I really believe in writing contracts to ourselves and writing contracts to the universe. And I mean, we got a little spiritual in your show as well, but I want to ask you this question. Like what, like if you were to write yourself a a letter to your former self before you did that speaking engagement in DC, what advice would you tell younger Tayo? I would tell him that he is enough and he doesn't have to compare himself to, to other people's accolades. I, I got stuck in that for a little bit. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, yeah, you know, when you're, when you're getting your MBA, you know, and I have my MBA, you, you're people that are, you know, they're getting, they're going to be recruited to all these great firms and you are one of those candidates and they're looking for all these things in your resume. And in my head, I was like, I just started a podcast. What do I have to say? I just like, I'm a year out of this, you know? And when that lady reached out and said, you know, you could speak to people that grew up like, you know, it just really clicked in my head. I was like, I have life experience. Yes. There's something I learned from it. It might not be something other people understand, but I can give that to someone. And so it really got into my packaging mind. And I'm a marketer and a brand strategist. So I started really thinking about it, which is it ultimately led me to understand you've been a guy in between multiple cultures all your life. You've studied that, whether you did it intentionally or unintentionally, what the companies need today. You need to understand how to connect effectively across cultures. What is that? Diversity, equity, inclusion. Yes. I love this so much. Okay, wait, really quick. I just want to cap this for the Improve It peeps because I think so many people, first of all, you are a brilliant marketer because your story is so like, I went to your website to research you and I was like, this is it. I mean, it's just like your tagline is there. Your story is there. I know all the things and it's perfect. It's not confusing. It's so streamlined. But essentially, it's your story, right? Like every person has a story. I think leaders get caught up in 
well, I want to do more speaking in my organization or I want to speak at my association I'm a part of, but I don't have anything to say. And I think you and I both are sitting here today because we're like, you know what? We have something to say. Every human being has something to say. And it's just owning that confidence and leaning into that confidence muscle. So I want to encourage people listening to do that. Take Tayo's advice. Go and tell your younger self, shut shut up those negative voices because I think that we all have a beautiful, like your story is so beautiful. It needs to be told. You need to continue telling it. And everyone listening has a story. So knowing that our audiences are, you know, you know who our audience is, these amazing group of people leaders who work in these cross-cultural environments. What are, if you could list three best practices for our audience to go back and help them communicate and connect cross-culturally within their organizations. What are three, if you could give us three tips or three best practices that you teach on or know to be true? So I'm, glad, I'm so glad you said three because it's something I call seeing beyond the foggy system and I break it down into an acronym. So, so if you think about the CS is security. Um, mm. Yeah, think about security, success, and belonging. So every company needs to know what each employee needs to be successful what and that takes you knowing them what they need to feel like they belong and what makes them feel safe right and you're going to find out what makes them feel safe is, is multiple you know multiple things across different uh, lenses right and if you really do your job managing leading and coaching that idea of understanding those nuances with what success looks like for one person what security is like for another person and what belonging is like is going to encourage you to really create a safe space and then you ought to educate yourself on, that's the E, the second, the first E, educate yourself on the optimized environment to ensure that success exists, um, that security exists and belonging exists. And then the second E is really exploring your own biases and triggers. Each one of us has biases. It's not, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But what are those moments where your biases flare up? What are those moments where you're triggered? They're going to be internal, external. And if you really understand your triggers, you're going to be able to understand how to understand um and change behavior and so it, i always say the secret to change behavior is understanding your triggers and so if you understand your triggers and you explore your biases you're able to actually grow and so yeah uh, it's for, for recap c is success security belonging first s e the first e is educate yourself on the optimized environments for security success and belonging and the second e is exploring your biases and triggers Oh my God, I love this. And I love that you had a, th- I, I love it. I just say, I didn't even know that you had that. And I was like, you have three things and you had an acronym, all the things. I love it. And oh, it exactly. C is so easy. I love that. Yeah, see beyond the foggy systems. <laughs> see beyond the foggy systems. I love that. Okay, just jotting down notes here because that's how I, that's how I recap this for you and prove it, peeps. Okay, I got to take notes because I'm, I, this is fantastic. And I think a lot of people listening today feel like they have a lot of challenges in their organization when it comes to communicating cross-functionally. What would you say some of the biggest challenges are that you see within organizations when it comes cross-functionally, cross-culturally? What are some of those biggest challenges? Well, it's, it really comes down to the standards and norms, right? I don't feel like we humanize a lot of people, right, in today's world. Yeah. When we think about standards and norms, sometimes they favor a certain group of people. So you and I might be able-bodied. I can say, I can, let me see for myself. I am able-bodied, right? And so we're not necessarily, a lot of companies might not necessarily think about how to create opportunities for people that are not able-bodied. 
and, and you know, it, it, it's in the language, it's in the policies, it's in the parking, it's in the health policy. But if you do that without doing what I said earlier, you're going to create an environment from your own vantage point. So you don't invite and create a system of inquiry. Then you think about the invisible and mental health issues from many people. I have, uh, I've been blessed to have a lot of friends who are able to educate me on, on several ways chemical depression is different from situational depression, for example. But that's so hard to communicate. Yeah. Because then it, it becomes, it's, an effect, it's affecting your performance. And then you factor in different cultures and different backgrounds and what, what it's like for someone to express oneself in a different culture and how that might be not professional <laughs> to you because of basing the standard. And you're like, wait, is that really professional? You know, I've been in places where people have told me, cut your hair, right? Or your hair is too this and all that. And so it's, it's a multiple layer of those things. And really, it's really uh, reflecting on those standards and norms. Who do they fit? Do they include everyone? Is there an invitation for someone to challenge that and without fear of consequence or something happening to them because they challenge it and they're telling you how your policy is affecting them. Oh, I love this so much. The through line of what I teach is so is right on this. It's like, make sure you create a culture of a place where people feel like they see, they feel seen, they feel heard, they feel valued. They feel like they belong. Yes. And it's just blows my mind sometimes that, and again, I run a small business, so I have a very small team. When you have a large organization, there are so many different types of people. And if these policies don't make sure that every single person feels included, they don't feel like they feel seen, then they're not going to want to show up every single day. They're not going to want to do the work. They're not going to be productive. And then ultimately, it's going to be it's going to be a downfall for every human being who's involved. So 100%. I love that. Okay. You're just throwing, throwing some knowledge here, throwing some knowledge. <laughs> so let me ask you this because I want to plug that book. What is one thing that you would tell a leader to start doing when it comes to communicating cross-culturally? <laughs> and what's one thing you would tell a leader to stop doing? And if you want to know more after he answers this, get the book, use your difference to make a difference. Okay. It's just a soft <laughs> plug. Soft plug. Soft plug. Hey, it's a hard plug if you're watching on video. Yeah. Put hard <laughs> plug. Okay. <laughs> you know, you, you by now, you know, I always teach in frameworks. I have frameworks. So the book is broken down into three parts. There's that word again. Three. My favorite number. Uh, yes. Fun fact. There you go. <laughs> the book is broken down into three parts. Educate. Don't perpetuate. Instead, communicate. And Ooh. yeah, uh, poetry is, is one of my, my favorite things to indulge in. So in the educate, it's really, I, I talk about how you need to educate yourself on your, ba- your biases, which you talk about triggers and your values. I didn't bring up values earlier. So biases, triggers, values. The reason I, I add that as to start is you need to understand who you are so you understand how you show up, right? And so the book goes through several ways to do that. And then educating yourself in the environment. And, and I go through lessons I learned from my father, my pops. As a diplomat, because every time you're a diplomat, you get posted to different parts of the world and you have to understand that culture and your culture and then know how that can favor both of you, the countries and policies. And so it's really about expanding the lens beyond yourself to understand what makes several people feel the emotions, you know, what makes you feel happy could be, be different from me, right? What makes me feel angry? What makes me feel any sort of thing? And then really understanding how to expand your knowledge to understand who makes the decisions in your in in your society in your community beyond just the two years or four years the election cycles present 
And then the uh, Don't Perpetuate is really about using everything you've learned to make sure that when you are now in systems, healthcare, workplace, family, schools, friends, you are not perpetuating systems. You might hear something based on what you educated, but it's not helpful. But based on the privilege and the bias you have, someone is not going to say anything. How do you make sure you're not part of the problem? And then it's really using everything you learned. And then the instead communicate is about opening dialogue. We don't live in a world where everyone agrees. In fact, most people don't agree. But how do you open dialogue, right? How do you create an opportunity where you can open dialogue and still be able to see each other and not dehumanize each other? Because I think conflict is healthy, but there, there can also be unhealthy conflict. And so it's, it's me walking through that balance. So that's what the book is about. I love it. And I love that you think in threes. And I love all of the things that you just gave us these juicy chicken nuggets that I want to put <laughs> in chicken sauce and eat. Um, I truly just think the world of you. I think you're so fantastic. And I think that the work that you're doing is so needed, so necessary. We always ask this question. This is like one of your last ones. Okay. Not to get sad, but I am. Um, we say here it's Improve It Podcast and your it is that thing that you're put on this earth to do. It's that it factor. What is the one thing that you bring to this world or your it? Oh my gosh. I think my, uh, my it is to challenge people to really fight against systems of oppression and suppression. I think, and I'll say, I'll tell you what, I think we've accepted so many things so far in the world. You know, uh, it, the older I've gotten, the more I question certain things. And I, I remember, beauty standards being different from the way they are now. And I'm always thinking, how did we just blatantly accept this? I remember education systems to tell in textbooks that had no one looking like me coming up until enslavement and colonization. And I'm like, how did we just accept this? And right. so for me, I think it's me just really, the one thing I've been put here is to really get people to be more curious and to be okay with challenging. Because growing up, it wasn't okay to challenge. In fact, I grew up initially under dictatorships you couldn't challenge yeah. <laughs> so, and so my my existence is is in direct opposition to that and and um uh, yeah so challenge the status quo there you go that's it and use your difference yeah. to make a difference make i a difference. love it oh yeah yep uh, yep that's it and i I want to end with a little fun because, you know, we talked about failure a little bit. It's a big part of the improv world, which is there are no mistakes, only gifts. This is called the failure lightning round. It's just kind of fun. And I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And if you answer, I want you to answer with one word. And if you answer with more than one word, I'm going to give you a failure and like a weird, creepy voice just like that. Um, but it's just for fun, just for fun. And then we're going to end this the right way because hopefully nuance our intention was met which i think it was i think it was yes. so let's let's end this with some fun all right so are you ready for the fail yeah lightning round yes i am okay here we go what's one word to describe your early career challenging <laughs> yes okay one word to describe where you are now in your career excited <laughs> yes one word to describe your podcast hosting style Oh, um, <laughs> uh, well, I'm, 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 I'm inspired. Yes, yes. Fail, yeah. Okay, just had to get one in, one in. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that was too slow. That's yeah. okay. That's okay. One word to describe your shoe fashion style, aka my teal Nikes. Exquisite. Yeah. I even, even finished that. Yes. <laughs> and one word to describe this interview. 
wide ranging. That's two words. Oh, failure. Failure. But you crushed it. And I love these answers. I love it. Okay. So tell our Improve It peeps where they can find you if they want to connect. And we'll make sure to link all the things. Where can they find you if they want more Tayo in their life? Digital home is tyroxin.com. So you can find me there with you know my my book, my podcast, and everything. I'm on every social media platform. I'm mainly on TikTok and LinkedIn now. So Tyroxin, just type Tyroxin, you see me there. My podcast is As Told by Nomads, and my book is Use Your Difference to Make a Difference. I love it so much. And I will say you have really made a difference on our show today. So thanks for being an inspiration for bringing that nuance to the world, for bringing that it, the world needs more you and they need more teal sneakers. So Amen. thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Okay, Tayo rocks in. Did that. There it is. So let's just get to the bottom of this. I love this acronym C. Make sure you see behind the fogginess of your organization when it comes to communicating cross-culturally. C, again, stands for security and belonging. That S, that first E stands for educate yourself on the environment. And the third E stands for explore and understand your own triggers. So I want to just first and foremost say I love this acronym because we want to create a space where people feel seen, heard, valued. That's what we're here to do. That's what Improve It is all about. And that's what Tayo is all about. So I really want you to take this acronym and break it down. Ask yourself, does your organization have a sense of security and belonging. Educate yourself on what is going on in your environment. Educate yourself on the different types of cultures that exist within your organization or the different types of things that we might not see or talk about on a daily basis. So it could be mental disabilities. It could be um, different types of cultures. But make sure to ask yourself, Are these standards and are the norms fitting everyone? Educate yourself and then question, do the standards and norms fit everyone here? And then explore your own triggers. Understand them. What things, what are your biases that you have? Because we all have bias. That is a fact of life. So I want you to really break down this acronym C. Ask yourself these questions. Take these questions to your leadership. And please pass this episode on if it spoke to you today, if it is something that could be beneficial in your organization or to another leader you know leading cross-cultural teams. I just want to tell you, Improve It Peeps, you are crushing it. And I'm so grateful for this time we get to spend together every week. Please consider leaving us a review on iTunes if you haven't done so, because I want to bring more guests like Tayo on this show. And that's how he knows that you listen. And that's how he knows that we have this awesome community of people leaders who want to do wonderful things in the world. So here's my ask. Leave us a five-star iTunes review. And then you know what I'm going to say. Keep failing. Keep improving because the world needs that special it that only you can bring. I'll see you next week. 
Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Improve It. I am so happy you are along for the ride. If you enjoyed this show, head on over to iTunes to leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Now, if you're really feeling today's show and you've improved it even just a little bit, please take a screenshot and tag me at Keeping It Real Deal on Instagram and share it in your stories. I'll see you next week, but I want to leave you with this thought. What did you improve today and how will that help your future successful self? Think about it. I am rooting for you and the world needs that special it that only you can bring. See you next time. <laughs>